0: Well, good morning again. Welcome to week number two of our series called It Is Good, uh, where we're simply looking at biblical truths concerning sex, marriage, and being single. It's a series based out of the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, which was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. And there's a chapter, chapter 7, that specifically has some practical things to say uh, in regards to uh, the health and the wholeness of of our romantic lives and our lives with or without marriage. And uh, we're just kind of walking through this verse by verse. And so hopefully you'll find it helpful, no matter what stage of life you may find yourself. I want to review by reading the passage, uh, the verses, the first seven verses that we started with last week. And then we're going to add two more verses to it today. Um, I don't know if you see this fitting or not, but today is going to be... Uh, Directed at unmarried and widowed individuals And uh, it being Valentine's Day I don't know if you find that ironic Or if you find that uh, as a relief Um, I had a conversation with one man today that said he doesn't celebrate Valentine's Day because he does such a great job of honoring his wife every day of the year that he doesn't need a holiday to treat her well. Uh, So some people may not be a fan of Valentine's Day for different reasons, but we're going to kind of walk through Scripture and see what God has to say to us today. You ready? Let's do it. Let's review verse 1 from last week. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry... Some versions say it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. This is not every man's favorite verse of Scripture. But if you'll remember, we talked about the context of this passage of Scripture. It was written from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. Um, he's writing in regard or concerning matters that had been asked him. There were questions that the church in Corinth had asked him Um, And specifically one of the questions would have had to do with is it okay for uh, a man or an individual to be single in this time period marriage was seen as um, a prestigious thing a, a thing of honor and so if people in the church weren't married they were encouraged to get married and the Apostle Paul is saying to single people it is good for you not to have sexual relations it is good for you not to marry in other words he's saying it's okay to be single There are some benefits to being single. Single is not bad. Single is not a label that discards you. From the norm, but single is a period, a stage of your life, a season of your life. It's something that some people are called to for their entire lives, uh, that's a fruitful time of life. He goes on to say in verse 2 But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. In other words, he's defining the parameters of a healthy, Relationship between a man and a woman. That's the confines, that's the boundaries that he is setting for sexual relations or sexual activity between a man and a woman. So, outside of that, he's defining it as sexual immorality. And so, he's helping us to understand that it's good to be single, but if there's immorality occurring, since there's immorality occurring, each man should have his own wife. Then he takes it a step further in verse 3 and says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. Verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And he says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And we talked about the importance of looking at some of our responsibilities within the marriage relationship um, more from the lens of a duty than from the lens of a desire. And we talked about how important it is to give of ourselves rather than looking to receive from our spouses. And if a husband and a wife are both willing to give of themselves, fulfill their duties, worry about what they're supposed to be doing, then there will be a healthy relationship altogether. Verse 6 I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. Paul, as a single man, we talked about the fact that he may have been married before he came to Christ. And some scholars believe that perhaps his wife passed away. Others believe that he was never married. Regardless, at the time of this writing, he was an unmarried man. He was single. And he was saying, I wish that you were all as I am. In other words, he said, there is great benefit to being single, especially as a follower of Christ and being able to serve the Lord. But he says that we've each been given our own gift. And we talked about the word for gift in the original Greek was the word charisma, which could be translated as gift or grace and sometimes as a gift of grace. And we talked about the fact that wherever you are in life, it's important for you to see it as a gift of grace that God has given you grace for this season of your life. And no matter what you long for or what you dream for or what's going right or what's going wrong, there is grace available to you in this season. And that grace is what's necessary for us to be whole one to another. Now today we're going to take it a step further. Verse number 8. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, It is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. This is the second it is good statement the Apostle Paul makes, hence the name of the series, It Is Good. We all want our relationship, we all want our seasons of life to be good. We'd like to be able to say it is good, and he's defining something that is good for us. It is good for you to stay unmarried as Paul is, to the unmarried, to the single, to the widow, to the widower. There's benefit. There's great benefit to being single. But, verse number 9, if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. It is better to marry than to burn with passion. I can remember being taught this verse as a teenager. As a, uh, as a teenager who was looking for love and searching for sometimes all the wrong things and all the wrong places. I remember this verse of Scripture being taught to me that it's better for me as a single man to marry, to find a soulmate, to find a spouse, than it is to burn with passion, to burn with desire, to be consumed by this overwhelming sense of passion within me. It's better for me just to go ahead and get married than to allow it to destroy my life. And so I can remember uh, searching for love and looking for love and praying for love. It wasn't until I was 27 years old that I was able to find a woman that I could convince to say I do with me. And so I had a long single life in some respects by which I felt like this verse tormented me. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. And I can honestly tell you, there were times in my life where I felt like I was burning with passion and I had this longing, this dream, this desire in my heart to be married, to find the right one, to start life anew and and stop being alone by myself. And I thought if I could just find the right one, then this passion inside of me will not consume me. And so today, I want to, uh, I want I want to talk to all of you who are single, all of you who may be widowed, but I also want to talk to all of you who are married, all of you in every season that we can learn from this passage, uh, because there's some things that the apostle Paul is not saying in this passage that have been said much too often in the church world by preachers, by teachers of God's word to teach young people, to teach single people. Um, Things that aren't necessarily intended by the Apostle Paul. And so, in order for us to fully understand this passage, uh, we've got to kind of understand the message that we try to send to single people, to unmarried people, before we can fully understand this. One of the things that we're big on in the church world is teaching that we shouldn't settle Right? The Apostle Paul says it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay? I think that he would also say, even though it's not stated, that it's better not to marry than to marry the wrong person and to have a marriage that isn't godly, a marriage that's miserable. It's better to be unmarried, he says, than it is to allow your expectations to be unmet inside marriage Um, In fact, let me back up and and read another passage because I think it's just important for us to hear some words actually from Jesus um, on this matter. Matthew chapter 19, let me read a couple of verses for you, starting in verse number 9. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, and marries another woman, commits adultery. These are Jesus' words. He is setting a, a high standard for marriage. He has a high view of marriage, this covenant of marriage, this relationship between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. He is defining with a high standard. And the disciples said to him, verse 10, if this is the situation, if, if I've got to get it perfect, if I can't mess up at all, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. That's what the disciples said to Jesus. Listen to his response. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. And listen to what he says. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. They're unable to be with a woman. Others were made that way by men. By torture, they were castrated. And others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. Some have chosen to feel a calling on their life to stay single and never be with a woman. Never be with a man. That's a calling that they feel that they embrace for the sake of the kingdom of God. This is the the stance that the Apostle Paul would take. And then he says, the one who can accept this should accept it. So Jesus is saying, getting it wrong is so much worse than feeling like you're missing out on something altogether. He is saying there's a high standard that I want to hold you to And so much so that you should have such conviction going into marriage that you shouldn't take it lightly. So much so that the people closest to him say, well, man, it's just better not to get married at all. And he says, that's not a message for everyone. But if you can receive that, receive that. Now, is he saying you shouldn't ever get married? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you should be certain, you should be sure, you should... Take it extremely seriously. The fact that you get married doesn't make life perfect. But if you marry inside God's will, it can be the most beautiful thing ever. And so the Apostle Paul, back in 1 Corinthians 7, is kind of going along those lines. He's saying, listen, it's, it's better for you to remain unmarried as I am. It's great benefit in that. There's a lot of pain that you can avoid. There's a lot of uh, mistakes uh, that you could avoid by simply remaining single. But he says, rather than burn with passion, burn with desire, you should get married. In other words, staying single isn't for everyone. Some people may be called to be celibate. They may be called to live a life of singleness. The Apostle Paul was. But for those of us who feel as if Our passions are burning within us and consuming us. He's saying it's okay to get married because not everyone has that calling on your life. So we like to say that it's important not to settle. Don't marry the wrong person. Marrying the wrong person is worse than not getting married at all. If you marry the wrong person, you're talking about the most miserable situation that you could be in. Well, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, that's, that's a ton of pressure. And we say to people, don't settle. Don't just say, I'm never going to find anybody, and I'll just marry anybody that will have me. Don't settle. Wait for the right one. You ever heard that? Wait for the right, right one. I, I came across this. Um, you guys have probably seen it, a lot of you. Um, it, it's a piece of uh, advice based on the life of Ruth. Ruth, chapter 3, we see that Ruth uh, meets a man named Boaz and she has to wait for him. And so a lot of preachers have preached sermons on how it's important to wait for your Boaz. Um, And I wanted to read this piece of biblical advice. Uh, Many of you have seen this. It says, Biblical advice, Ruth patiently waited for her mate Boaz. While you're waiting for your Boaz, don't settle for any of his relatives. Broke as, Poaz, lying as, cheating as, Dumb ass, drunk ass, cheap ass, locked up ass, good for nothing ass, lazy ass, and especially his third cousin beating yo ass. Wait on your boaz and make sure he respects yo ass. Now, some of you might be offended by that, I'm sorry, but I thought it was funny. I saw that over a year ago. I thought it was funny, but isn't that the message that we tend to send? Don't settle, don't just marry anybody. Look, I know he may be good looking and he might drive a nice truck, but can he keep a job? You know what I'm saying? I know she might be beautiful. She might be gorgeous. But is she trustworthy? You know, is the person that you've got your eye on the one that you feel you can live the rest of your life? Don't settle just because you find yourself in a stage of life where you may feel lonely or you may have dreams that are unmet or unfulfilled. And you have this passion within you that would push you just to marry the first person that comes. Listen, statistically, half of every marriage ends in divorce. That don't work out. Half of every marriage in the United States, statistically, doesn't work out. Don't settle. Don't just marry anyone. The Apostle Paul isn't saying here, you should just find somebody to live your life with because it's going to make life so much easier. But then on the other hand, right, Paul has just set a standard in the verses previous where he says each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each wife with her own husband. Outside of the confines of marriage, there should be no sexual relations. So while we scream, don't settle, wait for the right one, we also scream, don't sin. Don't sin, don't allow yourself to indulge, in things that are intended for marriage when you're not married. Uphold a standard that God has set for you. In a godly context, live your life out without settling and without sinning, and that leaves a very difficult place for a lot of men and a lot of women to live life. Would you agree if you've you've ever been single, if you're single now, you know that it's difficult to live life in such a way where you don't want to settle, but you don't sin. And so I want to make it clear that the Apostle Paul is not saying here the solution to all of your problems when it comes to burning passions is to just marry anybody. It's to just get married and that's going to fix everything in life. And i want to, to show that to you. i want to demonstrate that to you and help you hopefully see exactly what the Apostle Paul is trying to say here. I think it's interesting that he uses the terminology but since you can't control yourself then you should marry rather than burning with passion if they cannot control themselves they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion it's like he's saying if your life is out of control you're being consumed by the passions within you then you should just get married right and I want to help you understand um, what he is and isn't saying so I brought some firewood with me and I brought some fire they go together at times okay so By nature, like, when we're married, I think it's safe to say there's no scripture for this. I'm just kind of, I'm just going from experience and what I've observed in life over 36 years um, that we were all, specifically from a certain period of our lives where we became mature, uh, we were all given like a pilot light of passion that's within us. Like, we all have desires, we all have uh, passion within us that, that we long to have fulfilled, okay? So it's like we have, this, we have this pilot light, got it? Okay, everybody's got a pilot light, cool. Now, here's what happens. The Apostle Paul says, since they cannot control themselves, they should marry lest they burn with passion, lest they burn with passion. It's like this passion can be a bad thing. And don't we, don't we teach that like if you have passion, you know, that's a bad thing. You're a bad person because you have passion. You know, stop having passion even though God gave you passion. Stop having passion. You know, stop having desires. The problem is is that we misplace the passion that God's given us. And that's what I want to show you. That's what I want to show you today. It's like If we had a fireplace back here, and we built us a nice little fire, okay, and imagine there's a beautiful fireplace here, this is in our home, and we build that fire, and we light that fire, that fire is a great thing on a cold winter. Tonight, that's going to be a great place to sit, because it's going to provide warmth, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to allow you to benefit from that fire, okay? Okay? But now, if we took that fire and we put it outside of the fireplace, my father was telling me just this morning that one of his neighbors, um, their home burned down this weekend. Uh, And two women actually were burned alive inside this fire. Tragic event because the fire wasn't where it was supposed to be. Okay? So if we take this fire and we allow our passions to drive us in life, our desires to drive us in life, if we're not married, then we don't have the fireplace that God's given us. Okay, follow my illustration. I know it breaks down. Just just follow me here. Okay, great, beautiful. Sit by the fireplace. Enjoy the warmth. It provides benefit. It's intended to be there. But if we in life just decide to come outside of a fireplace, and we just decide to start trying to build a fire, just any old place it has a different result, right? It has a different impact. So when we're younger, and we're not married, and we get into relationships we shouldn't be in, and we start throwing logs on passions that aren't where they're supposed to be, it's not necessarily as safe. And we begin to look at things that we shouldn't look at, and we throw more logs On this passion where it's not intended to be and then we get into serious relationships and we start saying things that we may or may not mean and before you know it you know we've we've put a lot of logs here outside of a fireplace just out in the open of our lives and we wonder why we get hurt at times now Here's the other thing that we do. Outside of building fires in the wrong places in our life, right? Intended for the fireplace, we bring it out into other places in our home. We've all at sometimes made some stupid decisions, right? You ever done some things that you just were like, I don't even know what I was thinking. That was just absurd, like. It's not even in a fireplace. Why would I take gasoline and pour it on the fire in my life in a place that it's not even intended? Think, think about it, you've, you've made some stupid decisions. We've made some stupid we've done some things. We've said some things. We've looked at some things. We've gone some places. And we've allowed things that were intended for a certain place, for a certain time, in a certain context, to be experienced somewhere else. So we've got this pilot light within us. The Lord's helping me, see? And we've got this pilot light within us that you would just say, I would never in the middle of a gymnasium, put fire to firewood with gasoline on it. That would make, that would be nerv- that would make you nervous, right, if someone were to do that. <laughs> so I need someone like Larry Doolittle to come up here. I'm just kidding, that was a joke. But you know what I'm saying? And we wonder, like, we wonder, why am I getting hurt by these things in my life? It's not because the passion that you have is bad. It's because you're building that passion into a fire that burns within you and you're building it in the wrong places. And you would never, you would never do this. It's just water. I was kidding. It's just water. You knew that. But if you even thought for a second that it was really gasoline and you thought, I really hope he's not going to do that. That would be the message that the Apostle Paul would be screaming at us in our lives right now. Boundaries are a good thing. If we put a fire in a fireplace called marriage, that passion can burn. I mean, develop coals. I mean, get hot. I mean, it's a good thing. It's in the right context. It's in the right place. But you bring it out into your house and there's gonna be some destruction. And I know, I know it breaks down some of like I built some great bonfires. You know, I don't ever burn nothing down. I'm careful. Follow what Paul's saying here. Outside of the boundaries that God has set, the passion within us can consume us, it can destroy us, it can it can burn us alive, it can be very destructive. So what he's not saying is, if you have a habit of just building fires everywhere in life and pouring gasoline all over everything, you look at things you shouldn't, you go with people you shouldn't go with, you do things you shouldn't do, and your life's just kind of very chaotic, he's not saying if you get married, it's going to fix all that. Okay? The same fire that can provide a romantic night in a fireplace and give warmth is the same fire that many years out west Colorado and places burns entire forests down fire is fire it's the context of where it burns that makes the difference and if you allow wildfires into your life don't think that just because you get a fireplace you're going to be able to corral all that fire and tuck it away nice and neatly in here Let me try to say exactly what I'm trying to say a little clearer. I had this impression in my life that all of the struggles that I had as a young man when it came to sexuality, when it came to passions that burned within me, that once I got married, I would never struggle with those areas ever again. That there would never be a lustful thought that I would ever experience that marriage would solve the problem That there would never be an opportunity for me to be tempted for anything sexually. I thought that this was, man, I'm going to get married and God's just taking that struggle away. Thank you, Lord. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. The truth is, if you don't have self-control, if you can't contain the passion that's within you, then marriage isn't going to change the struggle. And that you're going to find yourself one day trying to figure out how did this go wrong? I thought just cuz I got married that all everything would be fixed. I wouldn't struggle with this mess anymore. And it's because when you were younger, you developed habits. You have impressions ingrained into your mind. You have experiences that you carry with you into that marriage. And you allow all of those experiences in life to be brought into marriage with you and then you expect for them all just to magically disappear. The problem is you might have a fireplace in your house now, but if you still got wildfires burning, it's hard to put them out sometimes. And just because you get married doesn't mean that it's impossible for you to build wildfires. Do you get what I'm saying? So Paul's not saying here That if you have struggles, if you have sexual struggles, if you have temptations that seem to consume you, that if you'll just get married, they'll all go away. Please understand, that's not what he's saying. Please don't allow anyone to teach you that ever again. He's not saying that marriage is the solution for the struggle. What he's saying is marriage is the home to the passion. And that the passion should be saved for the home, for the right place. You've got to place that passion in the correct place and that starts when you're single. It starts with developing parameters and guidelines and boundaries that keep you pure so that you can experience true intimacy someday. It means that you... I I think that Paul would have said it this way. It's better to marry than to burn with passions since... You can't exercise self-control. But it's even better to exercise self-control than it is to get married. And if we can learn to become pure in our thoughts and in our actions in this area of our lives, then we'll be in a much healthier place if and when God ever brings that relationship into our lives where that passion can be fulfilled in the way it's intended. The passion itself isn't the bad thing. It's where the passion's placed that can become the bad thing. So what's Paul saying exactly here? Well, ultimately, he's saying that some people are called to be single. That some people have this calling on their life to live single, outside of marriage, And it's a calling. I'm called to be a pastor. Some people are called to be single. It's not a bad thing. If you are single and you feel like that's where God has you, it's not a bad thing. In that singleness, develop self-control. Allow the passion inside of you not to burn you, not to consume you. Don't feed the fire. Don't ignite fires in your life that aren't intended to be there because it's hard to put them out. But if God hasn't called you to that life, if you're going to spend every day of your life just like fighting and fighting like, God, I don't know if I can do this another day. I mean, this is just consuming me. All I think about is getting married. I mean, I just have these dreams. I have these ambitions. I just long for something. I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. He's saying it's okay to get married. God doesn't want you to be miserable for the rest of your life. If you're burning with this passion, it's okay to get married. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. He's giving you permission here to get married even though he just said I think that you should stay as I am. So let's not twist that into saying that marriage solves the struggle but rather let's just say let's develop self-control for the passions God's gotten us but if he hasn't called us to a life of single then let's marry and allow that passion to burn the way it was intended to burn. Does that make sense? And so I spent I spent many years of my life praying, God, I know you've got someone out there for me. I pray that you would bring us together. And I've experienced the answer to that prayer as I've dated girls that I had no business dating, that I knew that I would never marry, that weren't at all who I was looking for in a woman just because at some times in my life I got desperate and I thought, well, I'll just try this. I'll just try this relationship. And I can remember just saying, God, I know that there's someone out there. And in his timing, he brought that person into my life. But that person that he brought into my life wasn't intended to be my Savior. Do you see that? God didn't send Lindsay into my life to be my Savior to fix all of my struggles, to change me, to make me into someone who I wasn't. We spend so much time looking for the right person when Scripture teaches us to become the right person. And we need to learn to spend more time developing ourselves and being who God's called us to be. And when we're who God's called us to be, then He can bring that person into our life. Can you imagine if, if you weren't who God called you to be, And the woman that you dreamed and prayed about came into your life, and you were like, This is her. This is everything that I've wanted. And you asked her out, and she's like, No, you're not really who I'm looking for. You're like, Whoa, but you're who I'm looking for. I wish I would have spent more time becoming the person that, that the one I was looking for was looking for. It's important for us to become who God's called us to become so that we can experience wholeness inside the confines of marriage if and when should god bless us with that relationship. So i want to leave you with just one last approach that we can carry with us into life. This is 2 Corinthians 11:29 written by the same man, the apostle paul, who said i wish that you were all as i am. It's better to marry than to burn with passion since you can't control yourself. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 11:29. He's talking about all the difficulties that he's had in ministry. And he said, who is weak and I do not feel weak? Yes, I feel weak. Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? He's saying, I share in the struggle. There's passions inside of me that I have to resist, that I have to control And the greatest advice that I could give you would be to embrace a scripture that's found in the book of Hebrews. It says, our God is a consuming fire. And rather than allowing our passions in life to consume us, is we need to learn to be consumed by Almighty God. If we will fall in love with Jesus, if we will serve Him wholeheartedly, If we will give our lives completely to Him and surrender everything that we are to everything that He is, then those passions won't be able to burn within us. They won't be able to keep us from having the self control that is a fruit of the Spirit, that's a product of serving Jesus. You got struggles, you got temptations. Feel like you're burning with passion. Understand the boundaries that God set. They're good boundaries, they're not meant to punish you. But learn to direct your passions towards Christ and allow Him to consume you, allow Him to become your everything. And once you become someone who is fully devoted to Jesus Christ, you'll be amazed at how that struggle will change and the blessings that He'll send into your life as a result. Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, You are a great God. Thank You, Lord, for the passions that You've put inside of us and thank You for the boundaries that You've set for those passions to burn. I pray this morning specifically for every unmarried man, woman, if there's any widowed men or women in the room, Father, who feel as if they're just burning with passion. They're being consumed by these passions and they aren't exercising self-control, Lord. Help them to understand that it's better to marry than to burn with those passions. But that doesn't mean settling. It doesn't give permission to sin. It means that if we're already being consumed by those passions, then we've got misdirected passions that have been misplaced in our life. And I pray that you would help us to reorder our lives, to reflect your goodness in us and through us. May you consume us, Lord God. May you be that fire that burns within us. May we be set ablaze and on fire for you. And remember that there is no struggle that we face that you haven't faced. There's no temptation that we face that you haven't faced, that you haven't come through victorious and set an example for us to follow. And you were able to, until the very end, give yourself wholeheartedly committed to the calling of God on your life. And if you've called anyone in this room, Lord, to a single life, my prayer, Lord, is that you would give them a self-control to live the life to which you've called them to. But Father, if there are men and women in the room that haven't felt that calling on their life, that that you would allow them to exercise such self-control that would lead to becoming the person that you want them to be so that they can enter the relationship that you've got for them. And I just pray, Lord, that you would send husband to wife and wife to husband and that you would order steps even now. And I pray, Father, for those of us who are married, who, Father, may have developed some, some bad habits and mishandled some passions in our life in the past and that's carried over into our marriages. I just pray, Lord God, that you would help us to embrace a life with boundaries as being a blessing. And I pray that you would grant us the, the discipline and the self-control to bring glory to your Son, Jesus in every area of our life. And I pray that you would bless us tremendously. Bless your people. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen.